you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. Today's show is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Join Rocket Mortgage in saying thank you to essential workers by posting a video to everyonenowsahero.com. Everyonenowsahero.com. Let's get to the draft show. The Around the NFL Podcast. BunkerCast, episode 3028. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm coming to you from a city filled with heroes in bunkers. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. It does feel like that. Yes, it does. I did think that at some point, do we need to stop calling them bunker cast? You know, NFL. Are we just this is what the podcast is at this point? It's just the draft uh, winners and losers show. And who knows if we're ever getting out of the bunkers? We better get out of the bunkers. I think this is uh, I think this is about 28. I think it's our 28th show in the garage and apartments and back houses and everywhere else. That's um, it. I know. Right. Well, Very someone crazy. asked someone asked if the. Um, if you were a wagering person, would you bet on more bunker casts or more uh, current Super Bowls? And this was a while ago, but I think bunker casts at this point are an easy out of the park home run. Oh, so fifty five bunker casts. I mean, if we're back in the office by fifty five, I would say that's a a violent coup d'état in terms of um, society freedom. <laughs> I always love when violent coup d'état <laughs> finds its way in sentences that you would never expect. <laughs> You see us being back there in 23 episodes? I don't. Or oh, no. Hell no. No. Hell like no. We got out the guillotine and took care of coronavirus. Just right. the revolution off with the head. I'm still, um, I think about sometimes if I left any food on, on my desk, what, <laughs> what's going on in that place? Because That's so true. I'd occasionally leave an apple or an apple and orange inside <laughs> the desk. I mean, those things are a rotting corpse at this point. When we left, and again, we have so much to get to. The The draft is in the books and we're going to share our winners and losers from the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, yeah. But yeah, when we when this began, just like everybody else in the world that hit everybody by surprise, I didn't know when I walked out of that office that we might not ever go back in. So I have a great like thermos uh, that I had in the podcast studio that I almost thought about. Can I get into the building to get it? <laughs> 
and then I was told the key cards have been deactivated. So <laughs> great. All right. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah, the world's great. Um, yes, we're excited to go through everything that else that happened uh, in the virtual draft. Uh, we are coming off our Thursday night, late Thursday night show where we gave you all the round one breakdown. And now we're going to spin through our thoughts and analysis on rounds two through seven and uh, all that good stuff. You guys uh, feeling good? Uh, what, what's your like, uh, Greg, what's a big picture takeaway from what we uh, mm. lived through the last three days as football fans and the football industry in general? I mean, I really enjoyed it. Maybe it was just because I haven't had any sports to watch. I mean, I guess I'm just very average in that way that, you know, Emika, my wife, commented to me. She's like, I can't remember you, like, you know, watching and stud- like getting as into the draft, you know, since we've been together. It's probably the last time I watched it at home, which was like 2005. Like, I just needed some sporting events. So I enjoyed it. You know, today, I don't know these day three guys, day three's. Day three is what it is. Tough sitch. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, But I liked it. It was a fun draft. All right. So we, as we do every year in this Saturday uh, evening show, we go through the winners and losers. And um, let's get it going then. This will be fun. Wes, I want you to kick us off. Give us a winner. Let's start positive before we start taking our shots. I'm going to do a tag team. Two Two AFC West players. Drew Locke quarterback of the Broncos, and Josh Jacobs, running back of the Raiders. And I'll start with the latter. Mm. Jacobs played with a quarterback who didn't really test anyone downfield last year, and I'm sure saw a lot of stacked boxes. Now you add, uh, let me see these names here, Lynn Bowden, who to me, when I read about him, seems like a new era Josh Cribbs, former quarterback who's Physical, you can use him all over the offense. You can use him in the return game. I'm sure he'll be their jet sweep kind of guy. Henry Ruggs, the fastest player in the draft. And then Brian Edwards, another big wide receiver. Um, you got a lot more weapons. That was the big weakness in this offense last year. And I think Josh Jacobs will see a lot more room to run. He was so impressive last year and, and I believe should have won the Rookie of the Year award. And then the Broncos, just every problem they had on offense, they fixed it. And, and I thought... The cherry on top was getting uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, the center in the third round, who a lot of guys thought was a plug-and-play starter right off the bat. Mark's favorite guy. Love Cushenberry. Had him at 32 to the Chiefs in my mock. I mean, that went south, but not for Denver. I I think Derek Carr, you know, you could throw him in there, too, for a winner. I mean, what an offseason he ended up having. The the Tom Brady, you know, drama or, or rumors were clearly annoying to him uh, for a while. But in the end, the results are what matters. And as Dan's pointed out, I think Mariota is about as good of an option as he could have had behind him for a guy that he should be able to beat out. He knows John Gruden's offense much better, and I think he's more talented than Mariota. And then you spend the whole start of the draft, you know, giving him more weapons, more options, more flavors. Bowden sounds like they announced him as a running back, that they're going to, he's going to be like a joker running back. You get to speedsters. The question I think with Carr is, you know, can he hit Henry Ruggs deep? He, he's always been such a conservative type of quarterback who doesn't take deep shots. And it's almost like, okay, we're giving you these deep speed threats. We're giving you as much as we can. It's a nice offensive line. Like, Go show it to us this year. This is your year, Derek Carr. We've probably said this before, but it really does feel like he has to play better this year 
than he did a year ago, I think, to keep that job. And their defense, not as improved. And so this is going to have to be an offense first team, which is which is what they were last year, too, when they were winning games. It helps Carr a little bit that there's equal suspicion that Marcus Mariota could hit anyone deep um, <laughs> on an accurate basis also. Dan, getting your shots on Elway now. <laughs> Look at this offense. See, we'll see who's laughing next year when he um, parachutes into Green Bay, snatches Aaron Rodgers away from the Packers, and Ooh. installs him as the quarterback of this Broncos offense next year. Like hey, that. listen, that's the only thing he's proven he can do is poach an obvious legend and then uh, get the recruit. last drops of goodness out of him. Um, yeah, and uh, listen, I at one point Trey Wingo almost fell over himself talking about how unbelievable this Broncos draft was. And it does look good on paper, uh, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm just saying it's been a rough it's been a rough stretch for John Elway since Super Bowl 50, and he's going to need some that. results this year. I, 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 well, I'll concede that, but, but I think, I mean, even people who are skeptical of the Broncos have to look at the difference in this roster from last year. Yeah, I think they have to love yes, it. I think I what they have, and you said fix the other problems. I mean, their offensive line – made some progress last year. It's been bad since John always been there and it, it still might be bad. So that, that could be a problem for them. And the backup quarterback isn't going to change unless Elway was lying. I mean, I read these quotes from Elway that said, we brought in Driscoll to be our backup. He's the backup quarterback in this league. And Drew Locke is a starter is our starter. And, and so that, that part of it is not going to change unless that was just some sort of smoke screen. They believe in Drew Locke. They do. Uh, yeah, they but really do. Why believe in Drew Driscoll? When Driscoll's your quarterback, it means your days of winning are over, even if it's just for a game or two. Like, he's not a winner. Mm. He's not going to carry you to wins. It just doesn't happen. But, uh, let's, just, let's just listen to uh, Trey Wingo. It has been an unbelievable draft for the Denver Broncos. And let's not even add uh, Lloyd Cushenberry and McKelvin Aguim, uh the defensive tackle out of Arkansas. Unbelievable what the Denver Broncos are doing. He's he's a snake charmer, is what he is. I mean, I he's mean, also into like hour seven of live television. I'm sure you know not every comment is I mean, being. Listen you know, again. I am not taking Broncos down the Broncos draft. It seems like they did a good job, but it does. The bar is so low for Elway to clear to be seen as a genius in this league. That's all. Well, it's it's funny. and you Broncos fans are going to come after me again on, in my mentions, and it happens a lot. But I, I'm just pointing out the obvious that it's like anything he does, he gets the benefit of the doubt, it seems. It looks great, but I, I have noticed over the years, and I am the first person who does this, whoever drafts a bunch of offensive skill players, everyone says they had a good draft. You know, because that's like the players, you know, yeah. and it's just like, oh, you can just imagine them coming to the team. And and that that is what the Broncos did. And it looks great on paper. And Wes, we you know, we talked about it at the combine. I like Elway. He reminds me. I, I think about my childhood and he's one of the great quarterbacks uh, of our youth. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Good luck I to think, the Broncos. They're not I the think you, your stance on this is fair. Um, it, it certainly helped Elway that. Well, not only was he a legend, but he came in and dominated that division for years. Mm. And, and maybe that was all Peyton Manning, but I agree with you. What he's done at quarterback and offensive line since Peyton Manning left the Broncos is embarrassing. Well, you threw the Raiders and Broncos together. That whole division does look really good. Oh, yeah. The AFC North they and the AFC West. They all do right now, don't they? That's well, what I fall for. I mean, it, I feel like 88% of the league feels like a playoff team to me. Um, smack dab in late April when everyone's added eight or nine players that everyone's gushing over <laughs> relentlessly. 
I don't think so. In the AFC, to me, like the AFC East obviously doesn't look that great. And the AFC South is is fine. But those the AFC West and uh, North in division, those games look like a lot of fun. I'll I'll throw out another winner. Um, I'll stick in the AFC West since we're we have a theme here. Uh, People who want to see the ceiling of a Mahomes read offense. Oh, yeah. I, I'm this is this is fun. I mean, you you take in the first round this Clyde Edwards Hilaire kid who we all t- we talked about on Thursday night that Wes, how did you describe him or see him comp as Priest Holmes? E was that uh, what it was? Some kind he of mix of Darren Sproles and Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes was the the comp on television by multiple pe- people and too. Reed comped him to Brian Westbrook. Said he liked him yeah, better, better than Brian better, Westbrook. Yeah. And then the uh Brett Veach, who Greg, you know, speaking of putting respect on people's names, I know you respect him now. It wasn't always that way. Well, I gave him like a silly voice on our uh, You're the GM rankings. You're right. Because uh, he, he looked like the only GM that, you know, I could potentially um, compete with in like an altercation. <laughs> um, That's up for grabs. Veach and Andy Reid, they, they bring in this running back. So imagine if he clicks and he's a star and – uh I feel like when you get a running back in the back of the first round, it makes me think of Josh Jacobs. These guys can hit the ground running or in year one, you might even get the best season out of them. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, They focus more on defense the rest of the draft, which makes a lot of sense as well. But I just I, I just if I'm a Chiefs fan and I'm already on cloud nine after what happened last year, you just think to yourself a fully healthy Patrick Mahomes. Now you have a potential stud in the backfield. You keep Sammy Watkins. So the wide receiver group is coming back intact. Uh, as long as the offensive line holds up and they protect mm-hmm. Mahomes, we're, we're talking about a potentially historic offense. And you saw that in this draft, the way the rest of the AFC West tried to stack up their offenses because they're terrified about what's going to be happening in Arrowhead this year. And they don't draft players that don't fit their system. I mean, Reed, obviously, I mean, when you hear Brian Westbrook comparisons and Reed sees that and more, I mean, what coach do you trust more to plug him in and make him immediately productive? We're to the point where, I mean, uh, by Saturday, every fantasy-related type podcast that was coming out and, and report and tweet um, about him, that running back, was like he's automatically vaulted into uh, the higher upper echelons of fantasy drafts uh, already, sight unseen. He also, um, you know, Reed has the advantage of having been there five years and in a, and is a guy who you really trust to have a plan coming out of this if they don't have a lot of practice. Like that offense has been together. To to Mark's point that he, he thinks it's going to help the teams, you know, not having practice that have been together. I think that's true. That's going to be true for some teams, not most. But the Chiefs would be one. I mean, the Chiefs of any team, like they, they could show up tomorrow and play week one. And I think they would be fine. Mark, how about a winner? Um, I'm going to double package a, a the bottom half of the AFC North. Now, I think it's been, you know, because I, I think, yeah, West, you'd agree with me that we don't uh, really view the Bengals playoff run that got a little bit ballyhooed by some um, as really <laughs> something that's mattered historically, that it's been 55 years since the Browns and Bengals um, have won a playoff game together. I would say one thing that comes out of this process, the entire offseason process for me um, with Cincinnati and Cleveland is a message to both fan bases that um, there's been a lot of discordant uh, mishmashing, um, lack of identity, no idea what these teams have been about for for the past couple of years and for Cleveland a lot longer. Uh, now I think it's it's pretty clear to be confident in the Bengals and the Browns. I am. And I think that the Bengals, obviously, you know, all they could have done 
Um, you know, if they did, if they did anything other than take Joe Burrow, it would have been a hot mess. They didn't mess around with that. You go get T. Higgins, um, and you know, it's you look at what they didn't have last year. They now have AJ Green back. You get linemen like Jonah Williams back. Joe Mixon is Jonah Mixon. They added a bunch of guys on defense, and they were aggressive in free agency. And the Bengals, to me, have provided legitimate. Um, tangible, exciting hope to Cincinnati and Cincinnati's fan base for the first time that I can remember in a in a legit long time because I am someone that simply looked at and and I, I realized that you guys think I was a little harsh on the Andy Dalton experience in general, but just as a ceiling experience that your your excitement can only be so high barring a Joe Flacco like Super Bowl playoff run. And I would go to Cleveland and say this that you have Andrew Barry, who is the youngest general manager in the history of the NFL. And he, I, I thought that he went right into free agency and helped that team right away by going out and getting Jack Conklin on the right side. And when you got Jedrick Wills, I loved what they did with Grant Delpit at safety. Um, they, they, they really round after round in the draft found value. And it, to me, it was very clear what the Browns are looking for in the draft. It is highly decorated college players who won national awards, who were team captains, who were not flash in the pan one year type guys, but showed production year after year. And when you use that system and that grid, they found value. And I'm not trying to overhype them. I, I this is, this is not based on my analysis. It's looking at draft He's guys. Coming, excited, folks. Well, no, they were tweeting at me saying you found value. Each one of these rounds, these players have done more than people realize at the college ranks. Will it work out? I don't know, but I, I, there, you know, it's the 80 over under draft. mark nine and a half wins Cleveland Browns. Well, I, I'm not sure they're even a better team than the Bengals. I, that's that's my concern would be Amen. more that I didn't think answer they, the question. I, yeah. I would say they would nine wins. So under I'll go nine wins. Okay. And I think that might be enough to get the seventh seed um, in a weird AFC, but it's, you don't, a, it's you a don't mind AFC. the seventh seed now, do you? No, I don't at all. But I would say this at the AFC North, which has truly just been owned by the Steelers and Ravens, for eon upon eon is now more intriguing and it's freaky and it's weird and it's like i have to go back because again i just totally ignore the bengals teams that went to the playoffs and didn't do anything back to when wes and i were in sixth and seventh and eighth grade um were the last time that the browns and bengals had any sort of a rivalry or provided true challenge to the other teams in their own division i think it may not all come this year but we are heading in that direction um i'm sure this will be a sound bite that bites me in the butt uh, a thousand times, but I feel that way because I don't think it's just a mirage. I think there seems to be with You're both in. teams a plan. You're with in. both teams a plan. The Bengals have a quarterback with charisma, and it's been a long time. I would go back to Boomer Esiason the last time they had Norman. a quarterback with this kind of charisma, this kind of personality that's infectious. And I was texting with some friends and, and family from Cincinnati. This is the first time I've had legitimate hope for the Bengals in probably 30 years. Wow. I mean, they, um, I have some hope they can turn it around. And they, I think they got a great pl- value in, in Higgins, who I was a little mystified why he, he slipped a little in the draft process. I mean, he's the guy that you would have expected would have been a top 15 type of guy. When you watch him, he's so smooth. He's so good. He, he just immediately reminds you of A.J. Green. I mean, there, there's no one that you would think of in terms of a boundary receiver who's faster than he looks. And these guys tend to always f- fall a little bit in the draft. Not that Green fell, but these kind of long strider, tall guys who don't necessarily show the separation. DeAndre Hopkins is another guy that he got compared to. When you watch, I mean, he just is such a smooth receiver. And to throw him... 
uh, backing up Green for now and then assuming he takes over for Green uh, a year from now when Green probably leaves in free agency. It's fun. And to your Browns point, Mark, I think the best sign for them is like you didn't hear anything about them in the weeks leading right, up no to the leaks. draft. They've been a leaky. Since, it's just been since a leaky this ownership came in, right. it's been messy. And this yep. did not seem messy. Um, also, to your point, Mark, and this does feel like a time of transition after 20 years of the Patriots atop the league and uh, being the big, the big bully in town that the NFL is maybe changing and going in different directions. Yes, Harrison? <laughs> okay. And how about some of these rivalries coming back? You know, the Bengals and Browns, you know, the Jets and Dolphins, the Giants and Redskins, you name it. Some of these teams that have been dormant for the past uh, half decade, 10 years, bring it back. Yep. The the draft, you need more than the draft for that, though. You need you need wins. Well, give us this, uh, you know, I meant more more the Giants and Redskins that stuck out there. It's like, you know, you got to You got to start winning some games. I speak while we're on the Redskins. I'm just going to throw out a winner. We're all winners for not never having to talk about Trent Williams uh, trade rumors uh, again on this podcast. And um, maybe the Redskins are winners in this, too, just that they as we went to bed Friday night after day two of the draft, seemed like they were stuck with Trent Williams or they couldn't figure anything out. And they end up dealing him to the 49ers um, for a third round pick next year and a fifth round pick this year. And Joe Staley retires on top of that as good as it is for us. And it's good for the Redskins to just kind of solve a problem. It's even better for the, the 49ers. I mean, Trent Williams is a nasty player. He couldn't fit in better with the team that loves to be bullies. Cause when I think Trent Williams, I think he's going to have a decent chance at the hall of fame someday. You think of him as just kind of the, the bully, like the meanest left tackle there is that if you just picked one, that's the most physically imposing that's him. And he's got some injury issues and that's a risk, but and he hasn't played in like two years. Right. And for, but for the 49ers to be able to plug him in when their left tackle the last 14 years uh, retires and they knew he was going to retire. Um, you know, that's pretty seamless and that's pretty great. Jimmy G's a big winner. Uh, it, it was yeah. a very real possibility uh, that Tom Brady could have taken his job again and it didn't happen. They made the decision to stay with him. Now he gets a potential hall of fame left tackle with a huge chip on his shoulder. Uh, who replaces a guy, Staley, who was excellent, uh, but was getting older and obviously ready to walk away from the game. So when the dust cleared since 50, uh, Super Bowl 54, things worked out pretty well for Jimmy G. Oh, hey, and you know, was, go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to say it was Mike Shanahan that drafted Trent Williams in, mm. uh, you know, and that, that the Kyle Shanahan. Was there too. Kyle, right, was there. Kyle was there. And the Shanahan, uh, Daniel Snyder ending was uh, far from pretty, but. Um, as Peter Schrager uh, noted on Twitter, you know, maybe in this time where we're all being very challenged, uh, we're learning to get along a little better because Dan, yeah. Daniel Snyder and Kyle Shanahan uh, were the people that put this deal together. So, uh, you know, anything is possible in 2020. Wes, how about this? A loser connected to this. Again, all the all the football team builders for not having the GM app. Yeah, this, absolutely. This is a Hall of Fame level left tackle with prime years remaining. This thing drags out for almost a year or feels like a decade. And the end of the day, it's a fifth rounder in the current draft and a third rounder next year. I mean, you're telling me, and I understand it was messy and there was all sorts of layers to this. I think he's going to ask for more money too. I think that's a big part of it is he wants to get a big new contract. Okay. I, but I guess, I don't know, maybe if there, if this was handled better and the Redskins, yeah, if you want to give him a lollipop for just getting this off their plate, uh, that's fine. But 
I mean, that, if that ends up being the, so they lose the player who refused to play with him. And then when you couldn't even maximize him in a trade, I know you're kind of cut down at the knees a little bit when the guy is saying, I'll never play for you again. But third and a fifth. Uh, yeah, I, if I'm a Redskins fan, I'm I was thinking I'm at least getting a second round out of this. Well, the environment was terrible you know. too because a bunch of tackle needy teams filled that need. You know, in on, on and the Thursday 49ers night. considered it. They thought about yep. trading up, and I I do wonder if they wanted Makai Becton because to me that that is the type of guy that they would have wanted, and then they stopped trying they to trade him. up uh, at at that point. Uh, but the problem is Ron Rivera is paying the Bruce Allen tax. It's like Ron Rivera comes in, he, he's inheriting a situation he had nothing to do with, but he's he's having to pay the tax of what Bruce Allen left him. West winner or loser? Oh, I was gonna say 49ers okay. also. Clear seven million in cap space, get draft picks for Matt Breida and Marquise Goodwin, and find mm. homes for two players who were no longer needed anymore on that roster. Good busy, job by busy. them. Yep. I, I like Breida in Miami. They didn't they didn't draft a running back, but you know, their running backs are easy enough to find and getting him for a fifth round pick is is kind of a good example of it. That's kind of a great trade, I think. Um mm-hmm. all right, Wes, you're up. Go either direction. I'm gonna say loser, AFC Super Bowl hopefuls not named Ravens or Chiefs. Sorry, I mean, you're Who just left they? behind. I guess everyone. <laughs> they don't exist. They're left behind. The Chiefs, I mean, good luck stopping that offense. And then the Ravens add one of the fastest slot receiver prospects. They add a couple of linemen, another deep threat receiver. Uh, and J.K. Dobbins, who I love hearing from college football fans who watch these guys every week and have followed them for years. My brother Phil at the Combine a couple of years ago said, J.K. Dobbins, watch out for this guy, like, out of all the Ohio State running backs, I love him. Spice Rack loves him, thought he was a great pick for the Ravens. And then on the flip side, I have Georgia fans um, from Tybee who thought Swift was incredibly overrated, the guy the Lions drafted in the second round, and was not nearly Ooh. as good as any of the running backs they've had there in Georgia. Hmm. I love Swift. When I watched him, he kind of looked like the guy to me that popped off um, as the most talented guy in the draft, like complete sharp cuts, super explosive. It didn't surprise me that Lack deep of explosiveness is what everyone said to me. I mean, like the sharp, sudden move. It didn't surprise me that Daniel, that DJ had Swift ranked, you know, considerably higher than any running back in this draft, just because he's the type of guy, you know, that I think the NFL's drafted in the top 15 or 20. And I like, I'd love the way he moved. Dobbins seemed like a much safer and, and a great pick. Like, you know, Spice Rack had compared him to, to, uh, Frank to Emmett Smith. Smith, and he's the type of guy who has a lot of the subtleties. You can see him setting people up. Like if you if you get him, block him four yards, he'll get you eight. And he just seemed like a pro. And that's it's not good news for your boy Mark Ingram though, uh, who's not going to be the lead rusher you would think there anymore, Mark. Well, I think that if they run this a similar type offense to last year, right, Mark Ingram still is a big role. But you're right. There's there's multiple backs, and you're always going to team building wise favor the less expensive younger guy. Mark Sessler, winner, loser. Well, I would go Panthers. I, I thought I liked their draft a lot. And I think if you come out of this and, and you know, they're one of only five or six teams um, in the last, you know, 60, 70 years to draft all defense. And um, first team to draft at least seven players, all defense since the 85 Browns. Yeah, I mean, it's um, so it's a statement. I think they went in knowing what they needed to do, and I don't disagree with that assessment. Um, there's a lot of pieces on offense, and, and they didn't move Curtis Samuel, so they've still got those parts. But you get Derek Brown. Uh, you know, I guess some people like Darren Brown more than others, but he fits for them. Um, 
Yator Gross Matos, who a lot of people thought would go in the first round, they got at a value spot. Jeremy Chin at safety, a lot of people also thought could have gone earlier than he did. So for me, I mean, you you know, again, it, these are names, and and they if they got them at good spots, and they and they got value in each round. But Matt Rule, first time coach, um, and I think Matt Rule also has a distinct advantage in this draft specifically having any anyone coming from the college ranks. They may be at a bit of a disadvantage learning mm. the NFL process, but you know they talked about the fact that he just had a visual eyes on um, library on so many more college players than your average pro coach who is learning the college guys coming out of the combine. They've got a cram for 40, 50 days. And Matt Rule has been game planning for some of these guys for so long and fell in love with some of them and knew their strengths and weaknesses. So that's one advantage for a first-year coach. And I thought the Panthers were organized. Um, I don't know what the future with Marty Herney is at GM. I don't know if that's a a pairing that will live forever, but he didn't get in the way. It seemed like Matt Rule um, was in control and got what he wanted. And so for the Panthers, uh, you know, in general, I kind of like the the experimental nature and the rebuilding um, project going on in Carolina. I'm keeping my eyes on it and uh, good draft. So big winner, Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator. I mean, who's another guy who's coming from college? Not a lot of NFL coaches on that defense. So right. it, it is an experiment. Like they, their defense is a total mystery, but it's pretty talented in the front seven. They have no one in their secondary. I mean, it's it's maybe the worst secondary in the league so if the if the idea that like the dolphins uh and the patriots are like oh let's build from the back to the front they're they're the opposite at least right now well and they said they wanted to build from the front um yep. that also could say we don't have much of a choice because you can't draft 12 secondary players all in two days so sometimes i feel like when teams and the panthers obviously did it to the extreme uh, it feels like a little showy and overcorrective steering sometimes to go completely <laughs> in one side of the ball in a draft. Is that? I think it's like luck, though, that it happened that way. I like guess. I bet if That's it didn't I, fall, if yeah, I'm not. Yeah, trust me, I'm not like burying the Panthers. offensive players. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not burying the Panthers or anything. <laughs> if that's just how the draft board fell, but it almost makes it seem like uh, you know, oh, our offense is fine. It's the defense. As, as long as Rule can coach up this D. Everything's going to be okay. Well, we'll see. I think they could have taken an offensive tackle or someone else if if the, if the right person and things had gone a little differently. But you're right. It's and they'll probably end up taking five or six offensive players next year yeah. because they realize that they don't have anything on that side of the ball. Well, how yeah. about a nice measured draft? You know, I'll stay out of it. And a quarterback. Their offense does look pretty <laughs> solid. Six point oh on paper. <clears throat> All right, uh, let's get negative. All right, I'm throwing out a loser. Yeah. How about? How about Eagles fans? I'm giving you a big fat L. Poor Colleen Colleen is, by the way, one of the more sweet-natured people I know. She's just a a good woman, and she was she was legitimately thorny. Well, uh, after after she got off, and she did amazing work on network uh, uh, all the days of the draft. But yeah, go on. Uh, Yeah, I and and I think that's she's dialed into the Eagles fans on Twitter and the Eagles media on Twitter which for some reason were apoplectic that this was the worst draft ever and that it became <laughs> this like crazy group think that they've just, you know, torn down the, the state, the building because, okay, in the first round, you know, it hurts. You, you see CD lamb go to the Cowboys. I guess that hurts. It's like, Oh my gosh, we took the number six consensus receiver instead of the number four consensus receiver. And like this guy, you know, Jalen Rager, like fit their needs. Like, who are you? there's some draft experts that like that was a crazy pick. So they were already I on. I think Lamb the- was like the number one, but no, no, yeah. I'm talking about Rieger was six, and people were upset that they didn't take Jefferson. I mean, I'm oh, sure they I would see, have loved see, to Trey up, but it hurt yeah. that they saw the Cowboys 
go. But then what really made him go crazy was Jalen Hurts. And I'm not I'm not surprised that they the fans in the media went crazy that you used the late second for a quarterback. But this always annoys me. Like fan bases always go crazy when a team that has a quarterback takes another quarterback. And I don't I think if it's the right player and it's the right spot in the draft and you're in whatever's going on like quarterbacking is so valuable that everyone wants this immediate gratification of like, you can imagine he gets plugged in. Hey, most late second guys don't help you that much right away. Anyways, like it, it, it you want a guy that's going to develop and everything. And quarterback is so important that it makes sense to me that you keep drafting quarterbacks. Like I think the Patriots drafting Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett makes sense. The saints have invested a lot in backup quarterbacks. And of all the fans, are you about to go Charlie Casterly on us? The most important person in the on the organization is your quarterback, and the second most important person in your organization is your backup quarterback. And you know, you know who should know that more than anyone? The Eagles. They yeah. had a near MVP as a backup quarterback in Michael Vick. They had a Super Bowl MVP as a backup quarterback in Nick Foles, and they have a starting quarterback with durability problems. Like I just don't get why. Like they went so nuts about because it feels Hurts. to the to the layman to a fan. That especially coming off a very frustrating season in Philadelphia, where you really felt like the team builders did not do a good job building around the quarterback. And then you hear for three and a half, four straight months about how this is the best wide receiver class in eons. And you get you get tons of value in the second and third round in this draft. And then in the second round, you take a quarterback. And and I think Lewis Riddick might have said it during the telecast and. Lewis Riddick, I cannot stop staring at his background. He had, you know, he had a generic um, football bro background uh, where it was a bunch of biographies for uh, Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, this guy, that guy, all NFL legends. And then like, yeah, just like Mark. And then like right right in the middle is an unauthorized Jay-Z biography, autobiography. And I'm like, what? How did that get in there? Everything else is football, and then just this one Jay-Z book. I don't know. Mm. Just I to let you know, I have a Nias Nin down here. I don't think Lewis yeah. Riddick has a Nias Nin novels on his. At uh, least in the Jay-Z thing yeah. where he like yeah. it was like he wrote the lyrics and it was a little bit of his own book. Don't oh, is that what it was? No, no, okay. I'm saying at least have that one, not some unauthorized. I think oh, yeah, half yeah. of Colleen's I don't know being, what book it was. It just I said think Jay-Z. half of Colleen's being triggered sorry. was the fact that the Cowboys should have been one of our winners that we listed too. Well, let me just my point. I got sidetracked by by the Riddick conversation, but just that I think someone said on telecast that your backup quarterback on a 53-man roster is like a top 30 commodity so it is important to have that guy especially with the Eagles you're right Uh, but you understand that frustration too from the fans who dealt with J.J. Arthaga Whiteside and all those other Jags all season but in a way that sort of proved that helps prove the point it's like last year their late second round pick was Arthaga Whiteside you know, it, of course yeah. you have to you be right. Up on, you know, right. You don't give up. My point is like you—you you don't know if this is going to work or not. They have to be right about Jalen Hurts. My point is, if Jalen Hurts is good and they obviously love him, and some people really do love Jalen Hurts, then it's going to be nice to have him. And who knows what's going to happen in the next four years? Like yeah, that's the- a valuable rookie contract. To ha- if he's just a backup, that's worth it to me. If he's a good backup, that's a that Greg. That's a very sound argument, and I, I bet there's a pocket of of Eagles fans that would basically agree with what you're saying. But the draft is the event that I think that unleashes um, insane analysis from analysts and insane behavior from fans because it's so separated from an actual on field reality check. 
that you're basically reacting. Most people, I know when I, you know, even now we're not studying every one of these guys. Like it'll be a fourth round and, you know, the Browns will take some, well, why did they do that? Well, what do I know? I mean, it's like checking in two years and the guys made two Pro Bowls and I just wanted some other person who had a flashier name. I mean, fans <laughs> don't act. Fans are just plugged in and passionate and Eagles fans, I mean, are the ones who like, you know, all right, I'm blaming the, the media more than I'm blaming the media more because uh, a lot of these Twitter followers I had, they were going just as crazy. I just as, do think anyway. it was a Dallas thing where you got Jerry Jones on this like four forty-five billion dollar yacht, which we saw um, at the Super Bowl and down in South Beach. That the Cowboys kind of nailed this thing, or at least did what makes you think that was a good draft. We'll see what happens, but it's a flashy, exciting, marketable draft, and the Eagles went southward in that on that front for a lot of their fans. You know that saying. If you start listening to your fans, you'll be sitting in the stands with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I read the origin story for that the other day, and it's really interesting. It comes from Bulls analyst Johnny Reg Kerr from the uh, 1980 draft when the Bulls and Lakers had a coin flip for Magic Johnson. And the Bulls Ooh. listened to their fans who said, vote tails. Mm. And they went tails and it turned up tails. heads and they lost Magic Johnson to the Lakers. I mean, how do you how do you vote tails anyway? You always I, vote heads. I don't know. Tails, what a disgrace. tails never fails. I, I often vote tails. Apparently yeah, it does. I, tails. I, uh, tails. I, so I kind of had Carson Wentz as a loser in this, um, but your logic is, is sound, Greg. I, I think that. Aaron Rodgers is a loser here. We talked about the the Jordan Love angle of it all and the eye of the tiger talk. Uh, but then I also I'm looking at and again, the fans, just like Eagles fans, clamoring. Give us more wide receiver options. Give us somebody. Uh, and this is what their draft was. QB in round one, running back A.J. Dillon out of Boston College in round two. Who's not a receiving threat. Who's just like an old school pounder. Between the tackle type. pounder. Yeah. Uh, they took a tight end in round three and a draft class that is not good in the tight end department. Maybe this Josiah De- DeGuara becomes something, but we'll see. An inside linebacker, a guard, a center, a tackle, a safety, and a defensive end. Yeah, you want to talk about thumbing your nose at the fans, uh, not what they were doing, but it could feel that way because they didn't take a wide receiver in like nine or ten picks. And then the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, reports that the Packers are moving toward a, quote, run-oriented attack this upcoming season. You know who's under attack? Aaron Rodgers. Please get me some somebody inside that compound, wherever he is. I want to know what this guy's really thinking uh, right now because over the course of the weekend, they give you no new uh, options to throw to. They draft your replacement, and there's a report leaking that they're not even going to make you uh, – you're not even going to be involved in a pass-first offense when you're Aaron Rodgers – what what a three! This is Aaron Rodgers' worst draft since he was sitting in that green room for three hours in two thousand five. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan beat Lafleur, his old pupil, so bad in the playoffs and so thoroughly that now Lafleur wants his identity to be Kyle Shanahan's mm. identity. Mm. And That's his old guy, yeah, Deguaro to me sounds like sort of a bigger Kyle Juice check, a fullback tight end um, kind of hybrid who. I mean, I, when you read about him, who drafts a fullback in the third round? But it looks like he can play every hmm. um, every special teams you want. Uh, fullback, tight end, downfield threat. So that'll be an interesting one. And then to get that big back, he had he came from Tennessee, Lafleur. He was the offensive coordinator for Derrick Henry. So that'll be interesting. I think to springboard off of yours, another loser is Aaron Jones, dynasty owners in fantasy hmm. football. You got twenty touchdowns out of that guy last year. You're never getting close to that hmm. again. 
Man, AJ Dillon, who was the running back, some people just couldn't see it. Mike Mike Renner, who I think does a really good job at PFF, he's their main draft guy. Just thought if he he didn't think there was any chance Renner could make it happen. Now, obviously, the Packers aren't. It's like Brian Gutekunst is good at his job, and he totally disagrees. Um, but here's a guy who is 250 pounds and doesn't like run over anybody, and it's going to take a while to like get him going. And you don't see a lot of those guys at that height succeed. You're right, Dan. It was a bad Last draft. Around. Hour, maybe. That There's Wickersham, not many receivers out there either. I tried to look for some free agents, like maybe there would be someone, other, unless they went Antonio Brown. Which it's tough. Bad. And Seth Wickersham, you know, he's exhausted that well in New England. Green Bay is the place to go now because <laughs> with, in one draft, think about how difficult potentially the relationship is for Matt LaFleur now, who now probably if he had if he ever had Aaron Rodgers as an ally and we didn't hear anything of like, Real uh, distrust between them, but he's going to think he was involved with this. So Lafleur has to deal with that as well. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. It just it feels like it was a traumatic draft uh, for the Packers, and I don't know if they, I don't know if they're better or not. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe this is like his Al Pacino in the first Godfather moment, where he pulls the gun out in the Italian restaurant and suddenly goes from weaky, squeaky, whiny voice Al Pacino to uh, something closer to the Al Pacino we know today. I don't understand Wait, why for that who? for LaFleur? LaFleur? Yeah, Matt LaFleur. He's like, you know, okay. he was like, as he was I know what you're saying, Mark. Well, he was described by Dan's dad as, as um, a boy with a beard. I mean, so, it, you know, at some <laughs> you, point, you, he's you just call say, him the flower. Sure. You call well, him the flower. The flower doesn't part. suggest that you can connect totally the dots here. We met the guy last May, last March. Nice guy. A bit of a soft-spoken guy. You wonder if this is if he has the the medal for this because this what? this could be tricky. Last year looked like Gutekunst's draft, and this year looks like Lafleur's draft. Uh, just just the imprints mm. that they seem to have on it. To, to Gutekunst's credit, it's like he's deserved a little benefit of the doubt. He's 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 been on a pretty oh, big winning job. streak since he took out took over that job. That's fair. And Matt but, LaFleur, for that for that matter, they yeah. went what twelve and four and got to the NFC. Thirteen title. and three. Can yeah, I give you a quick, the last lap. Can I give you a quick off the field uh, loser? Yeah, let's do that. I mean, these th- these two items were, um, you know, the draft is long, and it's you know you've got to you got to make sure you're eating the right food and and drinking the right stuff to keep your body going, so you're not just fading <laughs> away. Because day three feels to me like you're walking across uh, the Nevada death planes. I mean, it's a very long it's a long journey. Day I hate three. Those Nevada death planes. So, <laughs> let me tell you two things that brought me immense joy. Um, in Mojave. Well, that's that's fair. I don't know. I don't know why they need to name them. But how about this? Overly assuming uh, girlfriends who really, really uh, struggled during this draft. And uh, I mean, this was right in our wheelhouse, Dan, and and, and the rest of us. Are you mean, referring to the C.D. Lamb? Oh, C.D. Lamb. I mean, everyone's seen to this point. C.D. <laughs> Lamb. And you've all had this experience in your life where um, and it may be for no uh, guilt uh, associated reason, but. You know, the girl goes and grab. He had a girl, his girlfriend, I assume it's his girlfriend, sitting next to him. And he had multiple phones and he's on the phone, uh, you know, dealing with people left and right. And he had a second phone on his lap and the girlfriend just sort of audaciously grabbed it. I don't know what she was thinking she was going to do. And, you know, he just wrestled it immediately, looked at her, wrestled the phone out of her hand. And then suddenly, you know, the screen doesn't move and it's locked on her and you don't see her face. But she suddenly turns to the rest of the room and you're thinking, and I, I, I assume she's a very nice person, but she is um, she is probably history on the Lamb family tree scenario. <laughs> and then the second one, and this might have even, uh, the Lamb one got more play, but this one um, picked up steam. Isaiah Wilson, the offensive tackle, uh, 
drafted by the Titans. You know, they had a close shot on him and he was hunched in his couch, big dude. And he's crying when when the pick came in. And obviously, I mean, it was a real moment for him and his girlfriend. uh, You know, (laughs) she just sort of slowly puts her arms around him and wants to just she puts her head right in frame tilts her head so that we all see her face and she's not moving and we're it's a deep mm-hmm. one two three count and she's not leaving we can't even see him we can only see her face it's her right. moment right it's her moment what's going on here and then suddenly you see a hand come in screen right and just kind of grab her and you say you get out of this frame right now and i mean it presumably they said it was his mom or, or aggressively relative. pulling aggressively her. and then she's resisting and this woman is just yanking her out of frame and she gets up kind of wobbly and violently and is thrown off the screen and then suddenly a parade of others come in and i thought this is the coolest thing i've seen um all weekend and uh (laughs) these girlfriends you gotta you gotta play this moment well i've never been a girlfriend so i don't know what the mentality there is but um you gotta be more more savvy than that dare to dream mark that that's all never too late that i'm gonna jump off that because it's a similar realm just the idea of these cameras being set up in the living rooms and it, do, it just makes you think because everyone's watching the same thing and you're watching the, all the analysis, um, all the everybody chiming in with their thoughts. And when Jake Fromm is falling down the d- draft board, you know, especially when we get into the mid to late rounds and they're looking for what's the big story. Oh, who's the quarterback that hasn't been taken yet that people thought was going to go. Jake Fromm from State Farm, he was he was hearing the same conversation over and over again about how bad his combine performance was and that had he, how he had a noodle arm and he was a guy that there's a reason why he hasn't been taking yet because he's not an NFL quarterback and eventually he goes to the Bills and good for him because don't tell Bills fans, but that's not a bad place to go. And guess what? <laughs> it's like, that's tough. He's sitting on a couch with all the closest people in his life and, he, and you're just like staring at a screen and you're already in a bad mood. And then you have like Daniel Jeremiah saying that you have a noodle arm. And it's like, oh, th- this is good for my self-esteem. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a loser for me. What would the equivalent be if you were being critiqued in front of your family on a, on a couch, Dan, as a, or any of us, a host or a podcaster, blogger type person? What is the equivalent of a noodle well, you, arm? I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know. But you had you guys saw me in an uncomfortable situation yesterday. Yes. You handled really room. well. You did, you know, did a nice job. <laughs> do, we, do we get into oh, that? Yeah. Well, my beautiful <laughs> wife had the great idea. It was a great idea to um, assemble all like my, my closest friends on both sides of the coast uh, for a semi-surprise Zoom conversation. And uh, it happened, you know, the, the sec- second round of the draft had started. It was like five o'clock and I come in to the living room when I get summoned to come in. And then I see all of you guys. I see. Colleen, Gonzo, Henry, all, all the, you know, Erica, Jet, all the people I love on the West Coast, but then all my New York friends. <laughs> and it was just like kind of like a mashup that that left me, you know, deeply um, uncomfortable. And <laughs> Emily thought it was going to like turn into this thing where it was like being at a party where Everyone, not everybody would know each other, but we would all be connected in some way. And then everybody would get along and it would become a great old time. You could be hiding in the kitchen in that scenario. Yeah, Yeah. but I just I could not I I could not it couldn't it wasn't going to happen. I just couldn't get comfortable. So I I ended it after about 10 minutes and my (laughs) wife was dumbfounded. 
but I, I stand by my decision. But you guys seem to get a kick out of my decision to uh, essentially end my own birthday party. I thought Greg had some incredible commentary during it because he could sort of see. And I think we all know everyone in the, on the call knows you well enough to know that, number one, Emily put a lot of work into it. And that is awesome. I wrote her back. I said, awesome wife points. You did it. You put a lot of effort into that thing. And so it's, it's nothing to do with Emily. But we all know that Dan's um, sort of social comfort zone and mores would not suggest that that would have been where you're, uh, you know, that Greg picked up on it and made a couple of comments that I couldn't help but laughing. <laughs> well, I, I felt Dan, I think we all would, I, knowing the three of us, maybe not Wes, but me and Mark and Dan, I, would have felt, I would have felt the same as you, Dan, and not yep. in a bad way, but just, I would have felt uncomfortable and I wouldn't know what to do. And I would feel like everyone was like looking at me and I would have yep. like, so I could I could feel it, and knowing you, I knew that you wouldn't have set up the party exactly like this. You would have had a certain you know way to do this. And I, I would have separated it. Yeah, you would. Yeah, so a, I, like everyone understood, but it was still funny to see you like multiple <laughs> times aggressively trying to shut it down, and it was only like it only lasted like eight or nine. Minutes. Yeah, and Emily was just like, "Wait, we're ending this," and like I, I was like, "There's going to be some explaining to do," but I, you know, Simone was sitting right next to me. She's like, she's very much like you in that front. And she's just like, I totally get where Dan's coming there from. There was she's a like, moment right after I clicked end meeting where I could tell I was watching the gears turning in Emily's head, like, and she was deciding whether to be mad at me or not. And, <laughs> and luckily she decided not to be mad because I explained it to her and I think she understood. And then shortly after we, I got on and did about an hour plus with all my New York friends. And I think we were planning potentially for um, all the West coasters to do something yeah. after the show today. Um, and that's just way better to yeah. me. Anyway, but it was a great thought. And I appreciate yeah, it. I want, I want to read you a quote that I did send to the group tech, which is one of the things you said to us, Dan, which was, he's, Dan said, I want to talk to you all individually soon, but I'm going to have to let you go. <laughs> See, there's a very specific reason why I would have been just as uncomfortable as you guys in this situation. Okay. If you put all of those people in the same building, I wouldn't be uncomfortable at all. But right. the technology does not exist where side conversations can happen on Zoom. Right. Right. So everybody's just waiting their turn and half the people don't know each other. Dan had to do all the talking, too. He had to, like, finesse and talk <laughs> to everybody. Like, 16, 17 boxes of people. And it's like, how are you doing, Sally? Good to see you, Sally. <laughs> I'm so happy it's over. All right, let's, let's get back on track. Here, while we're while we're kind of off football, and I do have a couple quick football ones, but while, while you were um, – Talking DJ, I think I, I'm not just kissing up. I think Daniel Jeremiah is a big winner. I know uh, he's taking some uh, heat on this podcast, uh, but that you put him you. not not only um, is this the highest rated draft of all time, but it's the only one where like I've never watched the ESPN draft because I just happen to you know I always watch NFL Network, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that normally watch ESPN that this time they get exposed to the NFL Network one, and it's the mashup of all the analysts and the experts. And I don't think I'm biased. DJ's better than than everyone. So I agree with that. I feel yeah, like ESPN is watching that, and I feel like everyone's watching that. And I can't be the. And I'm sure some people would disagree. Yeah, but just I, what DJ I, needs more job offers. I think right, exactly. I think there's <laughs> be a lot of people, including inside of our industry, that will look at that and go. DJ was the best one on that screen. Well, I could see DJ suddenly getting vaulted into this um, eternal Monday Sorry, night Dan. football conversation at some <laughs> point. I mean, he he honestly he it, it's he's great at it. He prepared for it, and uh, every time they threw it to him, he nailed it. And right. and he also the problem is, although we have this um, so called feud with him, 
He's too nice to truly have a problem. No, with. you're like, on the fence as usual, Sessler. The feud is genuinely the feud like is the podcast. He's a terrible podcaster. We're, you know, we don't need to get past that. <laughs> we don't know about that. Um, but, we don't but know I'm, about that. He's got to start one to first to know. That. Right, but but in terms of doing this, uh, it was great. No, he did it. He did a very fine job. And I was trying to explain to Emily actually. She's like, so how's this different than other years? Um, and I was like, well, actually, NFL Network does their own draft coverage and ESPN does their own draft coverage. She was like, that's pretty weird. And then I thought about it too. I was like, that is pretty weird that there's competing draft coverages of the same event, but that's always how it's been. And it changed this year. ESPN thought the same thing when NFL network started their coverage. Um, But it ended up being kind of like a a big hit for NFL network. Guess what? NFL network does have Daniel Jeremiah and they will have him hopefully God willing next April as well. All right. Uh, want to do you want to do some like kind of quick hitters? Yeah. All sure. right. Go ahead, Wes. A uh, quick hitter winner, handsome Hank. <laughs> Since I've known him, he's been a fan of the most boring team in the NFL. They haven't always been the worst team, but they've lacked direction. They've been boring. They've been uninspiring. And this is so all ri- it's it's so risky that it could all blow up. But they're finally interesting. The Miami Dolphins. The fi- the Miami Dolphins are finally interesting. Thank you, Dan. Um and. They have so many players. They have so many young players because of the draft picks. I think they got, They have more than twice the amount of players as the Pittsburgh Steelers on the roster. <laughs> they are loaded with players. They go too deep at long snapper. I, to me, just the Dolphins are finally interesting, and I like it. I think they have the right coach to kind of coach up a young group like this, especially on defense, Brian Flores. Like You're going to have to be a teacher when almost your whole roster is rookies and second-year players. And you're right. They look a lot more fun uh, than they did a few days ago. Mark, quick, cool quick loser. And it's, it's you know, I, I think Greg was right. The more you hear about Yannick Nagakwe, that um, he had been a really model citizen for the Jaguars for a long time, but things have come to a head and he wanted out. And, you know, while Trent Williams got moved out of town, uh, Nagakwe is still in Jacksonville. And, and they've said, you know, hey, we'd welcome him back with open arms, but it just feels like a pretty messy situation. And I think that in another world or in a different type of draft and with, with different needs and different players available, maybe someone would have um, made a play for him. We thought maybe Seattle would have been one of those guys. It's still possible to some degree, but um, it doesn't look good. It sounds like there were just no offers at all. GM app. Here's a loser. Like mean-spirited slash thoughtless takedowns of coaches and personnel men. Now that we've seen them smiling and bonding with their children, oh, it's hard now. Three straight days, all these like cute kids, these uh, you know toddlers, uh, grade school teenagers, and then they they come into the room with the with the wives, and they have they're sharing these bonding moments. Belichick's dog. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even Belichick's dog was in the mix. It made you think Belichick was human. But like, can we really like take down Bob Quinn after seeing? Him no. high five his son and then hug his daughter after thinking he nailed a picket. I, I don't like this. It makes me feel, and I don't want to feel. Give me six months. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> we need that. Um, and then I'll throw out one more. Any potential attempt, not that I think it's happening, but of a Bill O'Brien image makeover, then I'm not this like mean, prickly guy that's impossible to work with. He was caught on camera on Friday night. Uh, cursing at someone on a phone on the phone. It, it was supposed to be just like, and yes, GMs across the league are hard at work. And it just happened to hit on Bill O'Brien when he was looked like yelling and cursing at someone 
about something. And then he stood up and kind of stalked off screen past his own son and, and kind of <laughs> crossed over the camera. And clearly he was fired up. And then the great John McClain, um, who's been you know covering football down there forever, tweeted moments later, Texans had a deal with Detroit for the 90th pick, but Lions backed out at last instant, and Bill O'Brien was furious. You could tell by his reaction on TV, and they selected an outside linebacker instead. So Bill O'Brien, who doesn't have the, you know, the kindest reputation, seems like uh, that was not great timing for him. Lions denied this uh, aggressively on the record, too. Yep. For what it's he worth. who denied it supplied it. What about you, Greg? Uh, it was really funny to see the uh, his son to not change his expression <laughs> the whole time <laughs> watching watching his it. Son has seen that before. I'll roll through a, cute, a, a few quick winner QBs. Jarrett Stidham. I didn't think the Patriots were going to take a quarterback. They didn't. Um, they added some tight ends. We'll see. But they believe in Jarrett Stidham. Whether they're right or wrong, like we've been saying that on this podcast, I think that that's their guy. They were not looking for. Can make them a fourth rounder for Andy Dalton. Be done with the charade. Thank you. I mean, if he's been in their building and they like him, it's like, why not? Why not? But you're right. They could use a backup. That, I mean, Brian Hoyer. Starter. They're one good. pass and they went out and signed Cody Kessler. I mean, come well, on. They cut him. Yeah, they cut, they cut Cody no, Kessler. I mean, when, when they finally let Jared Stidham throw a pass, he threw one pass and then they're like, oh, we need to sign Cody Kessler. We, we get can't you, do it. Kobe Brissett back at this point. There's too yeah, many quarterbacks. You could maybe. Uh, Philip Rivers gets, you know, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. in the second round. That offense is looking good. I think that's a team that could compete for a Super Bowl, West if things uh, broke right. If the Ravens and Chiefs did not exist, I would agree with you. Right. You know, they're they're playing from behind. And then Jared Goff, I like their second round uh, picks at, at running back and receiver, too, especially Cam Akers, who was stuck in like a terrible situation uh, at Florida State, which was a nightmare. But if you like the the moves he makes, he reminded me a little bit of of Devin Singletary, just a guy who's going to make you miss in a small corner. And and um, and they take Van Jefferson, who DJ compared you know directly to Cooper Cup leading up to the draft. And, and now he's going to be with Cooper Cup. Mark. I would just like to bring uh, someone in who this whole draft, he. Did not get his, a chance to hang out with his dad. This is Calden. It's his birthday oh, today. Is. Hey, look at that beautiful boy. Eight What's years old. old. How old? How's your birthday so far today? Good. What did you just bake for everyone? A cake. Well, you had to you bake had on bake your own birthday, Colton. Oh, kids love baking. <laughs> he loves to bake. He loves to bake. So part of his one of his gifts he got was a big cooking tr- tray and all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So nice. What did you think of the Browns draft, Colton? The Browns draft. What do you think? Thumbs up? Yeah. What about, yeah. so let's show him your shirt real fast. Ooh, he's Ooh, wearing a Super Eagle. Bowl champion Eagles. He's a big Eagles fan. So now we, we, a lot of people were upset with the Eagles draft. Were you, how do you feel? Good. You're good? Okay. He feels okay about it. See, he's not going to be hysterical about it. And he's eight <laughs> years old. You're eight. So you've got a lot of, you know, you've got a lot of experience on the world. So that shows right here. Well, happy birthday, buddy. Mm-hmm. Happy, right. birthday, Happy birthday, birthday, Colton. Another April boy. We'll see you, okay? <laughs> um, I have a quick winner, Arizona real estate. The Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> photo, oh, yeah. which everybody was talking about. It was one of the biggest stories in night, draft one. The LA Times wrote about it. And there were some people who were like, oh, yeah, real <laughs> estate. Yeah, it goes real far in Arizona. I bet he paid 300K for that place. And I was like, what? Well, guess what? Kingsbury dropped $4.45 million on the mansion last year. Yeah. A few months after joining the Cardinals on that four-year contract. And here, here's the specs. Spanning over an acre in Paradise Valley, the 7,000-square-foot home sits 
about 20 miles east of the team stadium in Glendale. It boasts four bedrooms and five and a half bathrooms and 7,000 square feet, as well as an entertainer's backyard, complete with a swimming pool, pool house, and fire pit surrounded by patches of turf. Mm. Well, thank you, taxpayers of Texas, funding the $10 million you know, college coach at Texas A&M for however long he was there. It's like, and, uh, way to go. And speaking of Texas, my final, uh, my final winner, I was very happy with my New York Jets, who had, had a solid draft, and with Joe Douglas as the GM, it does feel like there's a grown-up in the room making decisions. I love the, the tackle they got in the first round, but then a savvy move, it turned out. He moved back in the second round. And everybody's screaming, draft Denzel Mims out of Baylor, Greg's boy. And he uh, uh, and he, he moved back. He's like, oh, he's going to miss out. He got Mims anyway after moving back about 10 spots. And then they uh, they filled in uh, some needs later in the draft as well. It seems like a draft that uh, could turn out well. And they their, their two biggest, most important things they need to do is improve the offensive line. And they added two linemen, including the 11th overall pick. They desperately needed to replace – uh, Robbie Anderson, and now Mims enters the picture, and Mims, Perryman, and Crowder, maybe not the best wide receiver group in the world, but there's potential there, uh, and I, I feel much better about the Jets' offense. We'll see if Adam Gase ruins it all, but we'll find out. And there's one other big winner, speaking of Texas. It is Bob Bates, DDS, retired. He is my father-in-law, and he joins us. <laughs> Whoa! Hey. First hey. time ever on the Around the NFL hey. podcast, hey. and he is sporting his Baylor Bears, Sikkim Bears. Yeah, Bob Bates. <laughs> welcome to my father-in-law, Bob Bates. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. What a moment for you and I, uh, for Denzel Mims oh, and the New York yeah. Jets oh, to be yeah. united. Hey, Dan, Chris, up, Greg, man? and Mark. Y'all hey, Bob. Been, you guys have been you guys have been busy the last couple of days. Oh yeah. Boy, I couldn't be more excited about Denzel Mims uh, going to the Jets. Uh, now Dan has to get me some uh, Jets gear so I can wear a <laughs> okay. fan down here. Absolutely. Well, you know, we we previously had a, a potential to bond on Bryce Petty. We won't talk about that. Ooh, it did not ooh, work out. He, but he was operating in that old spread <laughs> offense uh, for Baylor. Uh, the, yeah. the Matt Rule offense is a little more yeah. pro-oriented. Why, Bob, and this, there are a lot of Jets fans that listen to the show, why were you pounding the table? Why did you think Denzel Mims was a guy that could be a star at this level? Well, he's always been underrated. Uh, even when he was in high school, he was a great high school player at Dangerfield High School in East Texas, and he wasn't highly recruited in Texas. And uh, he went to a Baylor camp, and they got him. And uh, make a long story short, he was like a six-three guy, weighed one hundred and eighty pounds, but he was a track star, a basketball star, and just they saw the athleticism, so uh, they grabbed him. And the first year at Baylor, he did a little bit as a freshman. His sophomore year, he was a he was a thousand-yard receiver as Junior year, he had a broken hand nobody really knew about that kind of limited his, his productivity. And then his senior year, he had a great senior year and great Sugar Bowl. He had five catches. And uh, then, of course, you guys have all been reported on his, you know, how great he was at the senior bowl and the combine. I mean, good grief. He went a, ran a 4 3 8 or something like that and did all those other things well. And uh, he's just tough and he's a, he's a humble guy. Uh, he did all the right things at Baylor, never got in trouble, went to class, community service. You know, he's mm. he's he's just a good guy, and he's very humble. And uh, uh, I noticed uh, one of the things that kind of I thought was funny last night when he got picked, that uh, one of the first things the commentator said was, uh, well, he'll have to get over get that, over that Baylor offense or whatever. They saw grief. that. <laughs> hey, 
uh, Matt Rule came in and they ran a pro style offense. So what she has to get over, I don't know. But uh, uh, you know, he's doing real well. He runs routes, but uh, I think one of the most impressive things to me is not only his attitude and being humble and and hungry is that those fifty fifty balls, man, he'll get them. Mm. He goes after them. Oh, he doesn't mess with anybody. He's, music he's to my tough. ears. Yeah, Jets haven't he, had a guy like that in a while. What a he's scouting a report! This is. I told you, you on again, yeah. <laughs> I told you, Bob Bates knows what he's talking about. Well, you know, I knew about Boner. Boner had a good day today. Besides Mims, you know, they had some other players: James Lynch, uh, Bravion Roy, and then uh, Clay Johnston's pick. So, because it, it did break your heart, it did break Bob's heart when Rule left. And, well, it did you know? Yeah. Like, you know, Rule did say when he came in, he was up front. He's never hidden the fact that he wanted to be an NFL coach and. uh and, you know, he was up front about it, and uh, we all knew it was a matter of time. But, he, you know, he did a great, great service for Baylor, and I think Baylor did a great service for him getting into the Big 12 mm-hmm. where he could, you know, have a national spotlight. But, you know, I would ask you nothing but the best. And, you know, Bravion Roy from Baylor went to the Carolina Panthers today, so that'll be pretty cool to watch mm-hmm. that too. So, Are you going to feel anyway. any pressure, though, you know, when the fall comes? And I'm with you. I, I'm no expert. These GMs are obviously a lot smarter. I couldn't understand why Denzel Mims wouldn't have gone much earlier yeah. uh, than yeah. 59 based on – I mean, the athleticism and the ball skills are outrageous. But are you going to feel a little little pressure? This is now your guy, you know, in, in the fall <laughs> and next year. You know, you, you're going to be synonymous with Denzel Mims. Oh, That's true. I mean, I'm not worried about that. he's gonna he's gonna make uh sam darnold look good all right (laughs) well that's that's fine with me bob Uh, maybe they can maybe they can take down the patriots that would be nice that that, carried away that's been about two decades overdue (laughs) to be honest with you bob um well all right so this is uh thank you again bob this gave me something uh it was my birthday weekend and and when the pick came out you know we had been clocking Denzel Mims for a while so now that he's a jet and will likely be be a starter for them all things yeah, uh, cool. considered a pro uh, this could be very cool and an all pro <laughs> and a hall of famer so <laughs> can i just say one thing to, yes. uh, chris uh congratulations on three fronts uh, one on beating the big c one on getting married to Lakeisha, and uh, one on the baby coming along hmm. we uh we're all watching you and appreciate you Thank you, Bob. That's very, very heartfelt, very genuine, and thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And Bob, appreciate you guys. We're doing a great job. We love you. Thank you, Bob. Bob Bates you, is Bob. one of the best people I've ever known. I'm so happy to have him in my life. So thank you, Bob Bates, uh, for everything, including your daughter. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. Bob Bye. Bates, yeah. DDS, retired from Texas. That was very good. That's, that that's the analysis I was looking for. Suddenly, Spice Rack, you know, he's feeling a little disturbance in the mm, forks right now. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, should should we get should Spice Rack be a winner or should uh, should Old McDonald be a winner? Forget <laughs> forget not making the you know the list of Bob McGinn quarterbacks. Old McDonald is drafted and he's a Tennessee Titan. There you go. You know what? Where when did he go? Fifth round, seventh round, seventh. But even you know even that I think was maybe a, a mild a mild surprise. He goes to the Titans. That's that's a decent landing spot. You know, maybe maybe uh, Tannehill's a flash in the pan, and uh, all of a sudden he's playing big snaps. And the, spicy, a lot riding on that for spicy. They've got a vacancy in that two spot after Mariota went to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I got one more quick winner. Yeah, the tiny sliver of the Venn diagram that includes Patriots fans, special teams lovers, and people who like to watch dynasties burn. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, that sounds good. 
I mean, he got all these needs you have on offense. It's like, nah, we'll just take a bunch of linebackers who can play special teams. That's that's all we need. <laughs> well, they got a kicker, Wes. Are so you not impressed with that uh, pickup? Yeah, um, I'm sure he's great. I, I don't know about his choice in tattoos, but I'm sure he's a great kicker. Wasn't the Patriots the first pick from the Patriots was like the first D2 guy to go in the second round in a long time? It was something obscure. Yeah, you're not, obscure. You're not, yeah they, they. I think we literally made a joke about this last week that they're going to trade out of the first round and yep. take a guy from like a mate from like a made up school. And they took a guy from Lenore rhyme or Ryan. I don't even know a D two school. Yes. He was the highest, highest, whatever I mean, Kyle, Kyle Duggar. And then they took a bunch of Michigan, a t- bunch of Bill statements with a uh, little pooch on his lap. But I'll tell you this kicker pick and they took him in the same round. They took uh Gustkowski. not like, on my scouting report, Greg. 15 years ago. It wasn't even listed as like yeah. one of the top 10 or 12 players, but this pick upset me more than I think Gronk and, and Brady being in uh, being in Tampa because one of the things they have is a Ooh. kicker legacy, and you're mm. taking a guy with this with this. I mean, I, I learned about you know the three percent. Uh, what is it called today? But uh, you're taking a guy that needs to answer questions about his alt right tattoo in his oh. introductory press conference. He did oh, explain that he didn't no. know what it meant when he got the tattoo. But I don't know. How do you stumble into that? Yeah. Well, and then he said, okay, I'm going to cover it now. It's like, well, now? you've had it on for like five years. So um, I'm not really enjoying this. Will and, he counterpoint? Uh, Will he fit in well with a, um, as Wes would say, a portion of the Venn diagram of Patriots fans that feel just a tad meat heady? I think he's got to wor- worry about fitting in in that locker room. Are you, you talking know, about for, the, the Godsmack contingent, uh, Mark Spessler? I mean, that's, you know, I'm not saying that I, I know them personally, but I'm, I've heard stories, so. All right. Good stuff, guys. Did we cover everything? We don't want to leave anything out. Any other kind of storylines from the draft? We'll, we'll cover it I mean, all we'll in the week back. ahead. I have a feeling we're going to do another show at some point here. We do have uh, – we are actually now with the draft um, now in the rear view. We are going to go away from the uh, daily model during the week. Don't be upset, but we're going to still uh, give you three shows a week. Um, this week we will um, though move away from the Monday to – Friday format, I'm sure we'll be back at it sooner rather than later. It's kind of like we all decided we're going to play it by ear. So, uh, But this week we're going to do either two or three shows, and uh, and then after this week we'll be three a week uh, until I would imagine things start to uh, ramp up. Uh, come training camp, hopefully. hopefully and we appreciate everyone who – we know we've been putting out a lot, and we appreciate like the people that are listening every day. It's kind of amazing like that we can put out daily at this time of year and people are still listening. But, yes, the news is going to get – it's going to get quiet. It's a it's a quiet time of the year for the NFL in any year, much less much less this one. Right. Yeah, so, was, ahead, well, I was going to say it was a year ago that you know we, we'd finished this podcast, and we viewed that as the beginning – the genuine beginning of the off season and we, and the four of us and others went down to uh old Rocco's there in Culver city and Wes uh, was recorded drinking something called a fruity bubbly explosion. <laughs> um, that won't be happening today. And I, I actually genuinely miss um, our crew being able to hang out uh, at this time of year from here until training camp. And it's a, it's something we look forward to. It's a really different world. And I think what's so different is at this point with the draft out of the way, I, we don't know. We move into a wilderness, and I just hope that there's um, something at the on the other end of it, football wise. Yeah. yeah, it's it's this time of year that really made me accept L.A. and California when I moved out here. This this May through mid July section that we get every year has been the highlight of living in L.A. for me. And and, and I wonder what's going to happen this year. 
Well, you get a baby this year. That'll be. Well, fun. yeah, that, that's that's going to be great. Yeah, you'll but be that, inside you a can lot do less. that any city. <laughs> <laughs> this yes, coincides the, this the shuttering of uh, outside uh, interaction. It's going to actually work out for you on a small level because you're going to be inside regardless of what the laws of the city are. Mm, that's true. <laughs> Although you do have that nice big backyard. I, you know, throwing throwing an infant just in the middle of a backyard and kind of. I mean, not that, 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 that's not bad. It's not a bad place for an infant. Got to childproof that area, Wes. <laughs> it's pretty childproof. Yeah. No way he's getting out. That little side garage. Just keep Brassy out of there. That'll, that's how you get the childproof. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we are... miss Brassy at the fire pit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, miss, I miss all our old friends at yep. uh, NFL Media. So ho- hopefully this all uh, starts to move, inch its way back toward normality. And to be quite honest, doing three shows a week uh, during this time of year, it was normal for us before. So we're sticking uh, with what we've always done in the past. So thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, you are the best. Uh, we really appreciate you. And uh, we will be back. I don't know. When do we come back? Tuesday? Wednesday? One of those days. You'll hear from yep. us our next show. Uh, so please be there to listen to it. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, Bob Bates, DDS, retired. Until... Tuesday or Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.